and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are discussing one of my favorite Advent slash Christmas traditions, the O Antiphons. So let's get started. Hey, Lindsay, again, uh, always a pleasure to, to join you as we do these podcasts. And what is really fascinating about the O Antiphons is that I really didn't know much about them. <laughs> yes, I, had, I had mentioned uh, just before we began that I had heard of them. I, I knew kind of what they were, but not really the background. And I missed it in tying it together with the breviary, which which is really kind of sad to say <laughs> because I've been praying the breviary for a lot of years. And now, I, what's the breviary? The breviary is the is the prayer of Christians or the prayer of the church that that priests are obliged to pray uh, every day, <laughs> and it's uh, it's using the psalms and uh, all of you know the various prayers. And these antiphons uh, are the intro antiphon before the Magnificat uh, during the season of Advent, from the dates of uh, December seventeenth actually to the twenty third or twenty fourth depending upon which ones that you use. But it's the evening, right? It's so the evening prayer. evening is technically the next day prayer, sort right. of, it, right? Which, which would apply to the, te- yeah. to the next day. So it's um, it was good for me to be able to take a look at this and look at it probably a little more seriously <laughs> and to... Uh, you just thought I was a crazy person that liked some weird thing? Well, that, <laughs> that probably had crossed my mind, too. Uh, but... Nonetheless, you know, they, as, as oftentimes I have found with, um, with a number of the topics that we have covered, uh, that I have certainly learned something about these topics. I have gained a greater appreciation oftentimes with, with some of the topics that I have, have covered. It, it may not necessarily be, you know, the, the theology that I would work out of or, or something that would really connect with me real strongly. But when you start to explore, you begin to, to look at sometimes the, uh, the parts of the, of the church and how the church prays and, and why the church prays the way it does, that you gain a very different appreciation for, for some of the ways of praying and, and the prayers that are there. Again, it, it may not be uh, a particular way that I might pray on a regular basis, but certainly it's it, you recognize it, the the not I don't want to say the validity as much as you recognize the grace that is behind it all. And you had made a couple of comments of uh, this goes back a few weeks, you know, as we were talking about different topics or whatever. But you had mentioned the O antiphons and. And how they they really spoke to you, and it's like okay, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's it's it was great to be able to look at this. And what's also interesting is that several folks, you know, had responded to me as far as some of the things that we had talked about when it came to Advent, and and a number of folks said, well, you know, what would be a good topic would be the O antiphons. I wasn't the only one. You were not the only oh, one. Oh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> and it just hadn't really crossed my mind, but you know, hearing from a several several folks and yourself saying, you know, maybe that is something that we ought to really take a look at 
because obviously it sparked it sparked something in in, in people's minds mm -hmm. and hearts, and and hopefully you know as we think about what we have been trying to do with you know by doing these podcasts is that it's not that you know we have the final word or anything like that, but it's being able to take some of those elements of the Catholic tradition, and and maybe open them up in a way that that. Uh, others have not. It's it's not extraordinarily academic. It's but oftentimes looking at some of the the customs that are behind it, some of the folklore that's behind it, uh, and and th those are oftentimes pieces that that people are not necessarily aware of. Uh, they've heard the term. They have you know they like the uh, the product you might say of of singing or working with O antiphons. And, um, and and probably the I would probably say one of the most familiar songs that we use is O Come O Come Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. You know that that's like one of those golden oldies of the Advent season. That it's almost as if you haven't sung O Come O Come Emmanuel at least twice during Advent, you haven't celebrated Advent. Uh oh, I better check and make sure we're singing it <laughs> twice then. <laughs> exactly because it's it's just it's one of those songs that just embodies in a way advent mm -hmm. and sometimes and it's all oh antiphons it is <laughs> and sometimes we don't even know why it does that but it strikes a chord um, different times people have have uh, described it you know as a, a song of longing uh, others have described it as uh, almost a haunting melody to it. Uh, it it speaks of in ways of you know of waiting, anticipation. Even sometimes the you know there are times people want to say, "Oh, come, oh, come, man!" No, you don't sing that fast. That's not even supposed to be sung fast. A little haunting. It, it, yeah, it's it's that that patient waiting, that that sense of something. We are preparing for something, and this is one of, that is one of those songs, as you said, excuse me, as you said that really, uh, you know, is consists of the O antiphons, that just speaks deeply, and and you know from everything that I learned here a little bit, has spoken deeply in many ways for a very long time. The O antiphons that is, uh, has has touched the hearts of, of people for centuries. And um, the even the the little bit of history that we know, mm -hmm. um, it took off very fast. And, and so it's it's just neat to be able to uh, to be able to run with uh, with the O antiphon. So let's kind of jump in with a couple of things here. Uh, the one of the people that seems to be really works with the history of O antiphons and has written about it uh, is a Reverend William uh, Saunders. He seems to be one of those authorities that has written about it and such, and um, the uh, has looked at that. You know, he I believe he's from out east in Virginia. That's I believe that's where he is from, and he has written about the 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 O antiphons. Uh, they they are seven antiphons uh, that are either recited or chanted. Um, I have heard them very often chanted, uh, which which they are gorgeous when when they're chanted. 
again, you know, I think about some of my own seminary training. Training, we have chanted them, uh, just not making connections sometimes, and and dawn does come to darkness once in a while. So, <laughs> so it's nice to have a little dawn in my life here, I guess. It's all uh, about timing, right? Yeah, when you're ready for it. You're right. In so many ways, that is so so true. And it's it's done before the Magnificat in evening prayer. The Magnificat being that marvelous uh, prayer of Mary uh, when she says her yes to God. And it is the antiphon that both opens that that prayer and it uh, it closes that prayer. And the Magnificat is said uh, every evening prayer. That is one of the standard prayers that is said every single um, evening for every single evening prayer. The antiphons are the ones <coughs> that uh, are before and after that prayer. Um, so, and I mentioned that because of the, they are limited to the December 17th to the 23rd, 24th being the uh, Christmas Eve. And so uh, they are uh, just in those dates and there are special readings uh, during the season of Advent for those specific days that lead up to, it's the, it's considered the octave before the, um, uh, before the, the Feast of, of We're Christmas. all about octaves here in the Catholic Oct- Church. Absolutely. So. Just like you have Holy Week, which is an octave before Easter. And then you have the octave after mm-hmm. both Christmas and Easter. And there are, you know, special days. And we'll talk about some of those special days, you know, in another, in another recording, a podcast, I should say. Um, but this is the octave before. To really, it's like you've, we talked a bit about Advent uh, before that you're really kind of preparing yourself and now it's really kind of the intense moments of really zeroing in and 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 preparing oneself to celebrate well that um, that feast of Christmas. The origins, as I alluded to a short time ago, was um, we vo- vir- know virtually nothing about it. We just... <laughs> And they just showed up. Seemingly. <laughs> you know, we do know that uh, Boethius, uh, he was a Roman senator uh, and philosopher of the early 6th century. Uh, Boethius is actually a very shortened aspect of his name. He has about four or five other names that are part of that. He is simply referred to as Boethius. Um, he mentions them, and this was around the time between the uh, late 400s and early 500s. So we know that they were around at least by the early 6th century. Other than that, we don't know pretty much anything else uh, besides that. So um, we know that they were used in a Benedictine abbey at Fleury, um, and by the 8th century, they were used in a lot of liturgical celebrations in Rome. So, you know, from what we do know within a matter of a couple of hundred years um, is that you had a prayer that was pretty localized with the Benedictine monastery and now it just took off. And it's what's, what's really interesting is that, is that when you think about the, you know, the, the feast of, of the Immaculate Conception, which we just celebrated a short time ago, that took... Um, let's see, close to 1,400 years before we finally came to terms with it. 
so so coming you know to be very popular within a couple of hundred years is really remarkable when you consider that you know the uh, Feast of the Immaculate Conception only took about 1400 years to become you know popular and really a part of the whole church so it's um, uh, it, it it it's history that what we do know is that it spread very rapidly and I suspect a lot of that had to do, one, with the religious orders, that the religious orders really did, the Benedictines really spread themselves very, very quickly uh, around the known world and in, in very popular areas. But I suspect also another piece of this was is that, you know, when you looked at the, the, the uh, evening prayer, the, the prayers of the breviary or uh, for religious orders and such, many of those were not in Latin, they were in the native languages. And so they would have been able to be, have been prayed by people who were able to read and write of a local area. Mm. Whereas the Eucharist and such was always in Latin. Well, Latin was only known by, you know, uh, you were from Rome, of course, uh, Roman, but otherwise you were clergy and nobody else really knew Latin. See what happens when the common folk know things? Well, I tell you, it's, yeah, <laughs> it really. Spreads like wildfire. And I suspect that that had a lot to do with it. People could actually read it. People could understand it. And it was something that was not only in the hands of clergy, uh, but in the hands of, of the folks, some of the folks. And so that would certainly allow for it to have spread, uh, spread somewhat what quickly. When you think of the um, the importance of um, of the O antiphons, I mean it's part of its origins and such as that. Is that there is an importance, and it's really a twofold importance from what I kind of grew in an understanding here. Uh, one is that each one of these O antiphons uh, is a title for the Messiah. Again, how many times have I prayed that? I just didn't make that connection. I mean, yeah, I look at that and saying, well, of course, <laughs> of course. Of course it is. Just didn't make the connection. And and so it's, it's, it's again, gearing up toward that Christmas celebration of Christmas of who and what we believe, you know, the significance of who and what we believe took place uh, during that, that celebration of the divine becoming human, you know, and even of the last of the last O antiphon, O Emmanuel, God with us, that it really does speak of the um, of the fact that you know the, of the significance, I should say, of the fact of of who we believe this Jesus to be. He just wasn't another kid born in a stable, you know, someone that was poor and that came from immigrant family. Uh, this was the divine God becoming human. And the, the, what leads up to all of this, when you look at each of the O antiphons, O wisdom, uh, O Lord, O root of Jesse, O key of David, O rising sun, O king of nations, O Emmanuel, is that each of these being a title, a significant title uh, of the Messiah. And how that is expressed in song, how that is expressed, you know, in, in a regular time of prayer uh, for people not only in religious orders, but I think 
in a very real way today that this prayer is embraced in so many ways, embraced by the folks. Uh, I am amazed at times the number of people, even at the parish here, Lindsay, that uh, the number of people that I find, you know, uh, have the have the breviary or the prayer of Christians in their hands and and pray it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not that long ago that just wouldn't have happened, and that really has been, I might say, a very powerful, uh, a very powerful um, development since the. Uh, since the Second Council, where people were able to embrace that prayer of the church, not just religious orders and priests, but were able to embrace that prayer of the church and saying that when we pray this, (coughs) excuse me, when we pray this, is that this is the whole church praying together. And um, so it's, I think it's it's incredibly significant that you know, today people will find this prayer to be just uh, very uh, centering for them, will find it to be a very holy experience, and they find it for them to really uh, be able to uh, prepare much better for the, the Feast of Christmas. Um, that, and that's, that's one of the aspects of it that, uh, that really is, is terribly important. And the other one that really speaks deeply, and, and, and I, for whatever reason, you know, at different years, different readings connect with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I think of the fact that over 30 plus years that I've been ordained, uh, and even before that, that how often we have heard the scriptures from I, the prophet Isaiah being proclaimed during Advent. For this year, those scriptures have just really connected with me. I have a feeling that part of it is the whole pandemic issue. Um, The things that people have expressed to me, uh, whether in sacrament or have expressed to me just in sitting down and and struggling with, you know, sometimes the isolation that they experience, the worry that they have about not only family members, but about our nation, about our world. Uh, Worry about, you know, so many people that, that are really struggling these days. And in the midst of all of that is that you find these just, I find, find this year in, in a way like no other, this, these marvelous, marvelous scriptures speaking of hope, speaking of, of God's tremendous love, speaking of possibility, speaking of the fact that no matter how dark it may seem, is that the Lord has not forgotten us and brings to us, you know, those powerful scriptures of comfort, powerful scriptures that speak of the vision of what God's hope for the world is, powerful scriptures that speak of the mountain where there is an abundance. Um, that these O antiphons, in so many ways, uh, refer to the prophecies that uh, from the prophet Isaiah and of the coming Messiah, and so you you have this not only this music but you have these scriptures that 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 emphasize that and my suspicion is and in some ways is that this is not lost on people who are searching for for something you know in this day and age um, and even though we you know there is the the good news you might say of a vaccine coming out hopefully soon and those kinds of things 
is that it's it's about more than just that. You know, there has been a lot of painfulness that has that might be rooted in 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 the COVID-19 issues, but it goes way beyond that. Um, the personal pain, the familial pain, the uh, uh, faith pain, spiritual pain that people have experienced. And, and I believe these, these scriptures speak to us powerfully as I believe these oantipons speak to us uh, rather powerfully. So there's, you know, there's a, that, that kind of two or twofold uh, focus. And how long have you been working with these yourself? Mm. I mean, you were mentioning that. that Not this is long. I don't even remember how I found out about them. I feel mm-hmm. like it was when we, I don't know, five, six years ago, we did a, a thing about prayer one year. And I think, unless that was Lent, I don't know. See, it's all running together. I don't really actually know. Okay. It's not been long at all, but I, I just, I don't know why. They stuck with me and I just enjoy them. Well, and I was going to say that, and that's, that is what kind of hit me mm-hmm. is that, when you were speaking about them, and, and uh, this goes back again a couple of weeks yeah. when, when we were talking uh, about this, is that you were speaking about them, and it's like, wow, this this really connected with you, and, and it was obvious by how you spoke. Uh, you became a little more animated <laughs> and everything, but you know, but that says yeah. something. I mean, about I think it has to do with it corresponds to music, and, and anything that corresponds to music is always a good thing with me, um, okay. and for me, it's. You know, I don't necessarily do the 25-day advent calendar, but to do, I so I've made ornaments for the tree in the rectory and my tree at home of the O antiphons and add one each day, okay. starting the 17th, going through the 23rd, and then the next day is Christmas, Christmas Eve. Um, and so for me, that's doable. <laughs> Seven days versus <laughs> 25. You okay. remember to do it in sure, ju- sure. mostly. Um, I don't know. I just. I just found them very interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know that I, I and that not is a lot of true. people know about them. That's true, and and hopefully, hopefully, uh, this helps to bring it out a little bit. But it's uh, it really is um, uh, kind of a hidden one of those hidden gems mm-hmm. that we have. And when you think of just some of the, uh, it is some of the most beautiful uh, prose music. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Things that that uh, certainly Isaiah wrote, some of the most magnificent uh, prose and poetry, music, written actually during a very dark time in in the in the history of the people of Israel, uh, when they were in uh, in 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 the Exodus, not the Exodus in <laughs> exile, not the Exodus, but exile. Wrong book. <laughs> yeah, um, but also the. In both the the second and third Isaiah, mm-hmm. uh, because there are at least three authors that written, uh, you know, this just recently we had the reading from Isaiah, "O comfort, O comfort, my people," and that was written during a time now after the it was by the second Isaiah uh, that it was a time now that the people had gone through what they had to go through, mm-hmm. you know, that brought them to exile in the first place. And now what was being predicted, what was being referenced was now it's time to go back home now. It's going to be okay. Needing to hear that kind of 
comforting message, needing to hear that it wasn't always going to be like this, needing to hear that as dark as it may have seemed, and one point pretty much so, that there now was, the light was now coming, and and finding a sense of great hope in that. I think we begin to find some of that even, you know, again, with the uh, introduction now of, of, of a vaccine, or at least possibilities, that, you know, we say, oh, maybe maybe there is light at the end of the tunnel. And, and that lack of light has been something that people have struggled with. And so when you think about these O antiphons, you know, it, it can be once again a reminder that darkness does not overcome, but light overcomes. Mm-hmm. And using these titles of the Messiah, using these titles that speak of light, of hope, of, of changes coming, is that can really bring a, a tremendous amount of hope to a lot of folks. Um, again, it's, just, it's kind of a hidden gem. That, <laughs> well, and I think also what got me is I, when you flip the words and tomorrow I will come oh, or the yes, letters yes. and like all that. I don't know why. I'm usually very skeptical and like, oh, sh-, but for some reason I, I just, well, that's creative and I like it. And Well, that's an interesting thing because it says that there is there is a theory uh-huh. and it is a theory. I know, right. And I'm usually not all about the theories. I'm like, give me those solid yeah. hard facts, but like this theory I'm okay with. The, the, the theory is that the Benedictine monks uh, wrote, arranged, I should say, arranged the antiphons with a purpose. Now, that purpose, according to uh, Professor Robert Greenberg, and he is out of the um, uh, San Francisco Conservatory of Music, the purpose is, is that if you take the first letters of each of the titles, starting with the last one, and going to the first one, if you take just the first letter, that they form an acrostic, what is called an acrostic, and that they spell out, each of these first letters spell out the Latin words, ero cross, E-R-O-C-R-A-S, which translated into English means, tomorrow I will come. Now, it seems so convoluted, but I really like it. So I don't. It, it is like, but the, warring me. <laughs> but the greater, you might say, a lot of other experts believe that this is really coincidental. And the reason that they they say that is that um, all of the Benedictine monasteries, you know, didn't always communicate with each other, and yet it was the same in all of them. Which, in a lot of other prayers is that um, that was not the case because uh, various monasteries and churches at the time, there were different titles used uh, rather than the eight that we, seven, seven. eight that we have. One, two, three, eight. four, five, six, seven. Seven, I'm sorry, seven. <laughs> rather than the seven we have is that there were different titles used and eventually over the centuries, they settled on the the titles that we have presently, you know, for the O antiphons. So, not that it's impossible, it is highly unlikely that that was the case. Sure, but still, you start on the 17th, you go to the 23rd, then you flip it, tomorrow I will come. Yeah, the 24th, Christmas Eve, I don't know, 25th, I suppose, but... 
Always got to leave room for the Holy Spirit. That's I guess. right. Always. <laughs> I like so it. I tend to be a I tend to be a little more skeptical about those things. Um, I'm just going with this one. Usually I am. I'm just going with it. <laughs> but it's. Um, but it, you know when you when you do look at that tomorrow I will come. Is that again? You leave room for the possibility of the Spirit wherever that takes one, and you begin to you begin to see the influence that these simple antiphons can have on people. Um, you have to wonder sometimes when you think of the the monasteries that you know were out there and and the um, how difficult life would have been for many of these folks. How difficult life would have been just for people in general. And yet, out of all of that, um, out of all of that toughness, out of all of that, you know, struggle and, and, and those kinds of things, in, in the middle of it, of it all, you have these beautiful oantophons that continue, you know, hundreds, thousands of years later, that continue to influence us, continue to help us to reflect on, on the titles of the Messiah, of how the Messiah connects with our lives in so many ways, the meanings behind, you know, these things, um, whether it be wisdom, key of David, rising sun, king of nations, God with us, is that how these different titles really can speak to us and speak to different people on so many levels. And under so many conditions. And and here we are, you know, in 2020, talking about the O antipods. <laughs> when I suspect that those Benedictines, you know, in in the late, you know, late 400s and early 500s, never dreamed that, you know, 1,500 plus years later, that we would be praying some of the very same things. Would you sure. bring... And that we would, you know, when you think about the things that they would have faced, disease and death and sickness and all sorts of things, that I suspect these O antiphons brought them great hope. And as they do today, they continue to bring us great hope. So the O antiphons, they really have a lot to offer. You learn something new every day. Absolutely. <laughs> it's always good for us to do that. Well, I hope you guys can take a chance and look at the O Antiphon starting the 17th, going through the 23rd. Um, they're short little prayers and titles. Yes. And yeah, so take a look this year. Try something new. I think we're going to leave it there for this time. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that, and we will see you next time.